Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you thirsty for Jesus today? One of the easiest and simplest things for us to do as human beings is to take a drink. Do you truly understand that you are utterly parched spiritually? Do you understand that it's only by drinking in Jesus that you can have spiritual life and vitality in you? That it's only in Jesus that you can be forgiven of your sins, come into relationship with God the Father, and go to heaven when you die? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 7 and look at the incredible opportunity and responsibility we have to be thirsty for Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Monday morning here in Texas and uh, it's a good morning. It's a good morning. Hopefully y'all are living in Jesus and loving for Jesus and just uh, growing to know Jesus in a more deep and intimate way. It's the, it's the meaning of life. The meaning of all life is growing to know Jesus. And as we grow to know Jesus, every other aspect of our life will be enhanced and we'll be, you know, we'll be more blessed, we'll be more full. I, uh, it was a wonderful weekend. It was a beautiful day yesterday. My, uh, uh, I have twin daughters and my, my daughter, Kristen was, was married yesterday to a, uh, to an amazing young man named Nathan. And they had a, uh, they just had an incredible Christ centered wedding. There was so much Jesus in it. The, uh, I mean, everybody did an incredible job with with taking care of the wedding. Um, the girl's mom just was 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 remarkable in all the work that she did in the wedding. Um, you know, Nathan's parents um, just did, a, did an incredible job, and uh, you know, it. Uh, and, and Kristen and Nathan just just worked really hard to uh, to put Jesus at the center of it. And so I was I was a proud dad, and uh, and uh, they're. Headed out on their honeymoon today, and uh, and so good job, guys! Congratulations, and uh, your first day of marriage today. And so, I uh, we do pray that your first day of marriage is just is blessed, and that uh, and that Jesus is at the center of it. You know, so not in a religious way. We're not talking about religion here. Um, uh, Christianity does take discipline. We do have to apply ourselves when we feel like it or when we don't. But it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And, and the more you make Jesus a part of something, the, the, greater, the greater blessing you know, you'll have literally in every aspect of your life. But not only that, the, the more you'll experience his presence and his strength in times of difficulty. When Jesus allows us to go through difficulties, the closer we are with him, the, the, the more strength he will, you know, uh, he will impart to us and that we'll receive from him based on, our, on the diligence we have in having relationship with him. It's like any relationship. Nathan and Kristen uh, today uh, begin their relationship as husband and wife. And it's going to depend on the effort that they put into that relationship 
as to how well the marriage is going to go. They can have a, a, a beautiful, strong, profound uh, marriage in Christ, founded in Christ and living in Christ. And they can have a, a, just a beautiful time of loving one another and, and walking through this life together if they put effort into their relationship as husband and wife. If they don't, they won't. It's like any relationship. Relationship takes work and it takes effort. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It, it takes effort, but there is nothing more worth it. And so as, as Nathan and Kristen, you know, deliberately put effort into their individual relationship with Jesus Christ, it, it will bleed over into their corporate, you know, marital relationship in Jesus Christ, and then that'll flow out of them into the world that Jesus has called them to be his servants uh, in the world and to represent him in the world. And so I'm very excited. The, uh, the minister, Ethan, just, man, he did a good job glorifying Jesus, talking about Jesus, talking about why we need Jesus. Um, we all need Jesus, right? At the center of all things, all humanity is sinful, corrupt, vile. We're in desperate need of a Savior, and our only hope is Jesus Christ. If we want to spend eternity in heaven with the triune God and with other believers in Jesus Christ, we have to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. That is the only way. Without Jesus, only hell awaits. And so, uh, I mean, he did a good job yesterday. And again, uh, uh, Nathan and Kristen, just great job in making your wedding uh, a Christ-centered wedding um, just throughout. And so I think it was, was well-pleasing to Jesus. And it certainly, certainly blessed me. And uh, I am just, uh, I am certainly proud of you both. I just look forward to what Jesus has for you. Just starting today, just going out there, pow, rocking for Jesus. Just going out as husband and wife and seeing what he has for you at, at every turn. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, again, everyone there was a, it was just, it's the blessed time. It was just, it was a time of just unity. It was a time of community. Um, again, there were people that worked extremely hard. Um, Wendy just worked so hard at this thing. Um, there were people that were helping in so many different ways. Um, I thought the wedding coordinator was just on it, you know, bang, 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 bang. I mean, a lot goes into a wedding. I don't know anything about it personally, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I was able to, to, to do my job as, uh, as Kristen's dad. And, uh, again, I, I couldn't be more proud. So I'm going on and on here, but, um, all right. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we are gonna we're gonna pick up and do uh, John seven uh, verses thirty seven to forty four. We got to thirty six last time, so thirty seven to forty four. I'm gonna go ahead and read it, and then we will get rolling. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, we we thank you for the scriptures for the living. Word of God. But above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, 
our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to bless Nathan and Kristen as they go forward in their first day of marriage. We just pray for, for, for a time of refreshing and blessing and community and unity with you, Lord Jesus. We pray you would bless them as they, as they enjoy unity with one another, spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body. I bless you, Nathan. I bless you, Kristen. I just pray God's blessing over every aspect of your lives. Father, lead us now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay. John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family? and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. We've said this before. There were three, three main feasts a year uh, in Israel. Um, there was the, the Feast of Passover, which was the biggest, the Feast of Pentecost, and this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles is a week-long feast. This is the last day of the feast. Jesus is in the temple courts right in front of the, the temple, the, just the center of God for the Jewish people. And it says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, it's interesting that John says in a loud voice because normally Jesus was very tempered in his ministry. And that's interesting. Jesus, throughout his three and a half years of ministry, Kristen, didn't just, just go shouting. It wasn't just always screaming, right? He was normally in a, in a very tempered voice. But here it says he did raise his voice. This was, this was something he wanted to proclaim Remember, there could be up to 250,000 people at this feast, and he is in the temple courts. All the, the big Jewish leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, you know, all the, you know, all the, the, the just the big cheeses, right? All the, the top religious leaders and all of Judaism, the most educated Jewish leaders are there. And it says, Jesus stood in a loud voice, right? And says to all this brass, so to speak. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been, had not been given 
since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Very powerful words from Jesus. Look at these words in red, Nathan. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Why does Jesus use this metaphor, metaphor of thirsty? And, and this also of drinking, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you, if, if we've seen this normally, okay? It's, it's not something we often have eyes to see. But Stephen, um, sinners tend to drink. Okay, we uh, we have a tendency to uh, to drink. We like to drink all kinds of things, right? And uh, you know, and there is there is no sin in drinking. There's no sin in drinking a glass of wine or a beer. It is sinful to be drunk. The Bible makes that clear. But sinners just have a tendency to drink, right? And drinking is not a hard thing, is it? Why does Jesus say this? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. When you're thirsty, you're lacking something. Is that right? When we're thirsty, we have a, a need. We need to quench our thirst. We're, we're, we're parched, we're lacking, and we need, we need some liquid. We need some water or, or juice or whatever it is we're going to drink. But you got to know you're thirsty. You know, when you're parched and you just want that cold glass of water, you, you got to know you're thirsty. And if you're thirsty, Scott, you just knock that down, Tom, right? If you're just thirsty, but you got to know you're thirsty. And as human beings, pretty much all of us recognize when we're thirsty. Again, this is this is a paramount metaphor. Because when we're when we're thirsty, we go and drink, and that water satisfies us. It it quenches our thirst. Are you thirsty today? Do you know you ought to be thirsty? Because the scripture is clear that all human beings are thirsty sinners. We are all thirsty, needy, broken sinners, Jesse. We're thirsty, Leanne. We, we're thirsty and we're lacking. And what we're lacking is life. What we're lacking is living water. You see, the metaphor he's using is, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me to drink. You got to go as a sinful man or a sinful woman. Do you recognize your thirst? Do you recognize that you're sinfully parched, Lauren? Do you recognize that you have a desperate need of Jesus Christ to quenched, quench the thirst of your sin, to quench the spiritual death. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water. Just a powerful metaphor. Are you getting it? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Have you come to Jesus for a drink? There's nothing simpler in this world than just taking a drink. And as I said, 
it's, it's interesting because just as sinful humanity, we like to drink all kinds of stuff, right? Jesus is saying, since you're so good at drinking, come and take a drink from me. Come and take a spiritual drink to, to satisfy your spiritual parchedness, right? You're parched spiritually. I'm parched spiritually. I am. And it's only in Jesus that if we'll go to Jesus for a drink, our sin, which he's talking about here as being thirsty, will be satisfied. Our spiritual death because of our sin will be satisfied as we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and Master and King. To drink of Jesus is to come to him knowing your desperate need of him, knowing you're hopeless, you're helpless, and there's nothing you can do. And you go to him and you receive him into yourself. You receive Jesus. You believe in Jesus. John 1.12, to all those who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If anyone is thirsty... Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Do you know? Are you, can you tell that you're parched and that you need him? Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, it's not the words that save us by any means. But if you're thirsty today, if you know how destitute you really are, and you know your spiritual thirst. You know your desperate need of Jesus. And you'll run to him and humble yourself before him. And you desire him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin. You can go to him this day and call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a thirsty sinner. I know there's nothing I can do to, to quench my spiritual thirst. But I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's how you drink of Jesus and receive him. And again, it's you can use the words, but it's the condition of your heart that matters. It's your humbling yourself before Jesus, truly recognizing your desperate need of him and throwing yourself at the foot of the cross and asking him to be the Lord of your life. Hmm. Whoever believes in me, and to believe in Jesus doesn't just mean to give intellectual assent to Jesus. It means to trust in Jesus, to rely on Jesus, to cling to Jesus as our only hope for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, you notice Jesus again is pointing to the word of God. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. The scripture prophesied that, that Jesus would come, and I believe it's Zechariah. I think it's, it's either 
chapter 1, around verse 10 and 13, or it could be chapter 10, but it, it talks about that, that a fountain is going to come and satisfy our, our thirst. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the scripture at the bottom there. Streams of living water will flow from within him. And it says in verse 39, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. It's interesting, uh, the Apostle John who wrote this said, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And we do see throughout the Gospels that, that the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, does not come until Jesus, until the second member of the Trinity is back in heaven, the third member of the Trinity doesn't enter. And so it's an interesting dynamic and it's, it's made clear. And then at Pentecost, you know, this, the Holy Spirit comes and you just see this just incredible work. And in, uh, in Acts 2, you'll see just this, uh, this, this, this tremendous coming of the Spirit of God. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives inside of you. He's the one that regenerates you, gives you spiritual life, gives you eternal life. And, and you're forever married to him. You're married to the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. He becomes your counselor, your comforter, your guide. But that couldn't happen until Jesus was glorified, which is to say his glorious death, death, on, the, his glorious death on the cross, his glorious resurrection and his glorious ascension. After that, very shortly after that, God, the son leaves and goes back to heaven, and bam, God the Holy Spirit enters the world, and he's the one that's here with us. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it seems like the Holy Spirit gets, uh, gets neglected sometimes. We have a triune God, three individual beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. We, we often talk about our Father, we often, often talk about Jesus, but God, the Holy Spirit is full bone God, and you want to grow in your relationship with him. Um, he manifests himself in different ways and different people and, and different people experience the Holy Spirit in different manner in different ways. And those are all good things. But we do want to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet the Old Testament and the book of Mo, uh, I'm sorry, Moses had said that that a prophet like me will come, and you know uh, you must you must listen to him and follow him. And so when they say, "Surely this man is the prophet," they're thinking about the Old Testament and 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 that where Jesus was prophesied. Some say up to three hundred times, right, Ethan? that Jesus was prophesied to come hundreds and even thousands of years before he came, it was prophesied that Jesus would come. And so these people were looking for the prophet who was also the Messiah and the Christ. Now the prophet would have been the Christ. And so when these people say, surely this man is the prophet, they're, 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 many of them would be speaking about the prophet that Moses said would come. and who would also, who is the Christ, who is the Messiah, who is the Savior. Now, some might have just thought that one of the, 
legendary Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know, would come, would be raised from the dead and come before the Messiah. Some of them would have misunderstood. But in 41, it says, others said he is the Christ. And that's a powerful word because Jesus is the Christ. There are still today in Israel, most of Israel is still waiting on the Messiah. It's, it's an absurdity. Uh, Jesus came and made it very clear that he came first for the Jewish people and then also for the rest of the world. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And there's only two types of biblical people, Jews and Gentiles. Jesus is clearly Jewish in his, in his humanity. And he came and, and gave his life first for the Jewish people that, that he had selected as his own people. But they continually rejected him and rejected him and, and rejected him. And even to this day, regrettably, uh, most Jewish people have not received Christ as their savior and, and it's tragic. We have a Jewish savior and every human being, and it doesn't matter what you know ethnicity you are, what nationality you are, it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or Polish or Lithuanian or Asian or what or what you are, right? Um, it's we all need Christ to save us. Verse 41, he is the Christ the Savior, the only one through which we can have the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, the only way we can escape hell, the only way that we have God the Father as our heavenly Father, Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and Master and King, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit as our guide, our counsel, and our comforter. He is the Christ. We all need him today. Every single human being. What do we got? Eight billion people in the world. Everyone today. Whatever you call yourself. Okay? If you call yourself Jewish, if you call yourself Hindu, if you call yourself Muslim, if you call yourself Buddhist, if you call yourself atheist, if you call yourself agnostic, if you call yourself some denomination, right? Catholic, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Baptist, everyone needs Jesus. Everyone, he is the Christ and only him. There is no other. The Messiah will come again, but it will be Jesus when he comes the second time. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Others said he is the Christ. Still others said, how can the Christ come from Galilee? 42, does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem? The town where David lived, 43, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. When they say, does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem? Yes, it did. Once again, they know their Old Testament scriptures. They know that the scripture had prophesied that Jesus would come from Bethlehem. And yet, David, Jesus was living in Galilee, in Cana. And so, they, they're not able to puzzle it together. You see this? When they say, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Because that's where Jesus was living. But if you remember that, that one 
incredible, what do we call that, Christmas night? Where, where, and when there was a, a census that was given and, and Joseph had to go up with Mary, who was pregnant with her first, Jesus, and they, and they couldn't get back. And so she gave, she gave birth to her firstborn in Bethlehem, right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he did come from Bethlehem. The scripture didn't say he'd live his whole natural life in Bethlehem. Remember, he moved out to Nazareth, right? Then his parents had to take him when he was a couple of years old, and they went off to Egypt. Then they came back to Nazareth. Then the, then the family moved to uh, Canaan, Galilee. But, but they, you know, so they, they didn't puzzle it together. Is this making sense? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem? Yes, we know he was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a manger, remember, because there wasn't enough room in the inn. And so they're divided. You know, they did not, uh, all they knew was that he was living in Galilee. And you remember when it said he was, he'll be called a Nazarene, Jesus. Remember, he lived in Nazareth um, as well. So, they, they knew where he, he lived. So hopefully this is making sense now. And, uh, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go back further to see that he did ultimately come and was born in Bethlehem. But this is what's interesting about this. And this is, this is going to say a lot. My man, Charles Spurgeon said this, how, how can we, how do we bicker so much? First of all, as unbelievers, and Spurgeon was talking about us uh, bickering as believers when we shouldn't be. But when you look at this verse, Lauren, man, my daughter Lauren was so beautiful yesterday. She's uh, She did a, an amazing job on, on her speech. She just really, really did. She gave a, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and the best man did too. But my daughter Lauren was the... Um, was the maid of honor. And I mean, it was just a beautiful speech. Tears in my eyes. Good job, sweetie. Good job. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it says they were divided. Verse 43, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. And, and wherever you are today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, can, can we just stop bickering about all the things that you may disagree about? Well, I don't believe in Jesus because I don't, you know, I don't like the fact that, you know, that he can, that he has to die for my sins. I want to, I want to pay for my own sins. And I don't believe in Jesus because, you know, I don't know about that whole resurrection thing. And I don't believe in Jesus because, you know what, all the church said this and they did this and they did all this wrong to me. And I don't believe in Jesus because my, my dad said he was a Christian and then, you know, he didn't, he, you know, he wasn't really nice to us when we were growing up. Can we just stop? All we do is just, you know, we're just consistently seemingly bickering. We have all kinds of reasons, just like these people, right? Others said, some said he's the prophet. Others said he's the Christ. How can the Christ come from Galilee? And the scripture says he's got to come from Jesus' family. Doesn't have to be where David lived. And we got all our excuses today. That dog won't hunt. We need to stop with just all the reasons that we have and give ourselves to Jesus Christ one and all today. 
Whatever the reasons are, there's no, there's no reason to not know Jesus, to receive him as your Savior, and to walk with him. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. I do ask you to forgive us, Lord, because now we see, you know, even as believers, we have a tendency to bicker about everything, you know, and all that. This is what Spurgeon said is what matters is that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family in Christ. We love one another in Christ. We're under the blood of Christ. We have in us the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We got to stop bickering among ourselves as believers as well. We can't get along. 1,100 denominations in Jesus Christ. I don't know. Maybe you don't know this, but there's not going to be any denomination in heaven. You're not going to go there and say, I'm with the Methodists. St. Peter, I, I need to be with the Catholics. Um, you know, I I'm with the Baptists. I'm an Anglican man myself. I'm not, but... You understand what I'm saying? We're not going to have any denomination in heaven. A denomination is, is a man-made thing because we can't get along. That's, that's literally the reason we have to have it. Forgive us, Father. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, we're all part of the problem, myself included. We just, uh, we are all part of the problem, Father, and I ask you to help us to just to do a better job on being unified as one body of Christ just founded on the Son of God and just, just, just submitting to the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Father. Thank you, Lord. So, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Jesus divided people. I believe it's Matthew 10, where Jesus said, I, I've, I, I've come. I didn't come to bring peace. I come to, to, to turn a a father against his son, a mother against her daughter, a brother against his sister. Uh, the man's enemies will be those of his own family. Think about that. And what does that mean? Uh, you know, your job, no matter what your family does, no matter who your family is, no matter what religion your family is. Now, listen, I'm not by any means downplaying this because it's, it's, it's hard sometimes when your family's Buddhist and you say, I got to go to Christ. It's hard. When your family is, you know, Hindu and you say, I have to go to Christ. Um, it's hard when you're Muslim sometimes and you say, I have to go to Christ. Sometimes there could be tremendous persecution. Um, and, and, and in America, we haven't experienced a whole lot of that. But we do need to be divided because of Jesus. And we, we need to be on the side of Jesus. He's our only hope and he's our only savior. So wherever you are today. It's hard when, when all your friends think they're just witty and smart and uh, they're all, you know, quote, intellectuals and they're, they're atheists, that you have to be on the side of Christ. It's hard when everybody's agnostic and saying, you know, how can we really know? I mean, we don't know. Maybe there's a God. Maybe there's not. You have to be for Christ. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. No matter what family we were raised in, no matter what religion we were, we were raised in, our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And it has to be. Verse 44, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Once again, Jesus is speaking boldly 
profoundly. The crowd is talking about him being the Messiah. The Jewish leaders can't bear it. Uh, we're going to see in the next teaching in verse 45 that the temple guards are that were sent to arrest him. It's not Jesus's time. No one, no one's going to seize Jesus before his time. Jesus willingly says in John 10, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord and I take it up from my own accord. Jesus is God. So they wanted to seize him, but they couldn't even get a hand on him. As I said last time, it was like a force field. They wanted to seize him and they get there and er, they stop, right? They got to pull back because, you know, either he changed their mind. They just couldn't go any further. Um, because again, ultimately he will allow himself to be seized over in John 18. He's going to be arrested and, uh, he, he will allow himself to be taken, but he allowed himself. It was a choice and it was all in the father's timing. And so it, it's remarkable that we see here in this chapter that that they wanted to grab hold of him, they wanted to seize him, they wanted to arrest him, but they could not because it was not his time. And he was on the timetable of his heavenly father being led by the Holy Spirit. And again, even in these verses, we see the work of the Spirit. And, and, and we consistently see the work of the triune God in the life of Jesus, in the redemption of humanity. We can see the work of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God, all individual beings. So, Father, we do love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you today. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and grace. We thank you for the scriptures, Lord Jesus. We do pray, Lord, that, that to all that don't know you in this world, that they would come to you, Lord, and satisfy their spiritual thirst, their spiritual death, and drink of you, our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as believers, I pray that we would, we would drink of you more and more and more and more, Lord Jesus, that we might come to know you more intimately and more deeply. Father, we love you and we bless you. We do ask you to, to, to help us to repent of just our bickering, Lord, as, uh, as your children. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse us of unrighteousness, we pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. As we leave now, give us eyes that see and ears that hear Jesus more clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.